1: of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And to start 2021, what better way than with an Ottawa Senators training camp practice, DJ Smith talking to the media as we're recording. We'll get into what he has to say, what we're expecting, because line combinations, they're not going to be a thing until we get Stutzla in the fold, until the Tampa boys, Paquette and Coburn, finish their quarantine and get the whole crew on the ice but Tim Stutzla we know he's going to be staying in Edmonton a little longer the Germans qualifying for the quarterfinals for the first time in its country's history will tell you who they're playing against what the expectations are and well shocker Tyler Clevin knocked another opponent on their ass all that and more this is the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day Today is Friday, January 1st of 2021. Pillsy, I want to start off by asking you, if you were to summarize 2020 for the Ottawa Senators, how would it be?
0: Well, first off, Happy New Year, everyone. 2020 is behind us. I think all of us can say uh, a collective sigh of relief that we made it here. But look, for the Ottawa Senators, let's be honest, that was a pretty good year considering their situation and what they're trying to build here. Like... Sure, the season ends a little early, so you don't get to tank as much as you would hope, but you end up getting picks three and five. You end up getting Tim Stutzler, Jake Sanderson. Then, I honestly, now with some time, I would say I think they had a really good draft. The rest of the draft maybe reached on a couple overagers, but that's not a huge deal when you look at the the crop of high talent they got in the first, second, and third round. So, that's pretty good. And, you know what, they got a lot of young players playing over on loan in Europe. So you get to see what they're made of, I would say, probably the biggest disappointment for 2020 for the Ottawa Senators as a franchise was Belleville not being able to go on that playoff run, which they probably would have went all the way to the Calder Cup and probably would have won it. And we would have had a blast following along uh, on our jobs in Belleville all the way. So that's probably the biggest disappointment. Other than that, Pretty good year from a hockey standpoint for the Ottawa Senators.
1: Yeah, and setting themselves up for the future is what really made this year, well, more positive than 2019 and 2018, to say the least, right? You had that at least ending to 2017. You already knew the 18 wheeler was going off, but you got that outdoor game win. But for the last two years, 2018 19 were just terrible. So for 2020 to have the excitement leading up to the draft and well for the best team in the league to win the stanley cup too it wasn't like some cinderella team came and you're like oh maybe that could have been us but on the ice it was still a disappointing year a 9 15 and 7 record before the nhl was paused so that will be their only overall record the least amount of games played in a calendar year i would imagine in franchise history i don't know how it would be possible for it not to be so Goodbye, 2020-2021. We're seeing the turning of a page, Pilsy, which is pretty exciting if you're an Ottawa Senators fan.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the turning of the page because that's a big difference between this season and, like you said, the last couple seasons where they finished as a lottery basement team because this season, they're not just... Winding up to cheer for more losses again. They've reloaded. They've added veterans. They've stocked up. They got Matt Murray. You've got some more center depth with like Derek Stepan. You got toughness in Goodbranson, Watson, Brown, Haley. You got a boomer bust guy in Galchenyuk. Like there's so m- you got probably one of the best free agent signings in the entire league in Evgeny Dadonov. So they really did a good job here of transitioning shifting gears to that rebuilding team to starting to work for playoff contention and they're probably not there this year but next year I don't see any reason why they're not one of the teams fighting for a wild card spot
1: and there's two championship teams in the Sens organization for 2021 you have the Belleville Senators in the Calder Cup knock on wood that that season goes smoothly and let's not forget the Nodak Sens going for that Penrose Cup before Pinto and JBD and maybe even Jake Sanderson turned pro. We saw Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin, another Nodak sends, but we'd imagine he'll be back at UND next season. That's why I didn't include him there, but he was still laying the body out up four goals, final five minutes. And he doesn't care what the score is. Pillsy, if you come down on his wing, he is going to close the gap quickly and he's going to throw you into the boards. I feel like a lot of people, maybe this morning feeling like they got hit by the K train, maybe like Lulim's Martian said a little too much champagne last night, but Whenever you're going on the ice with Tyler Clevin, you better be aware that he's going to finish every single check.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's his game, right? Like if you look at a goal score, they're up for nothing. And if he gets a breakaway, he's not going to chip it into the corner. He's going to bury it. So Tyler Clevin, his game is a big physical game. If somebody lines up in the K train trolley tracks,
1: boom, look out. And they beat Sweden up 4-0 because we just talked about yesterday Sweden's 54-game win streak in the round robin coming to an end and how things can turn in a hurry because now they are on a two-game winless streak. That means they are third in the Group B group of death with Russia and U.S. finishing ahead of them. So, Pilsey, that just made Canada's win that much more important. We, we would have had a Canada-Sweden quarterfinals but instead it's going to be Finland against Sweden that game is coming up at 3 30 tomorrow on January 2nd that's the second game of the day because Tim Stutzler's team Germany they have a big test they're at noon against Russia now Pilsy I looked at the schedule I see that the Germans are playing the first game of the day and I said oh good because if they lose that game Tim Stutzler with the time change could be in Ottawa and sleeping at a bed in Canada by that night
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win scenario if you want to look at it like that, right? Like, Germany gets to experience an important game against Russia – Probably not going to go their way. Let's uh, not. That's not too hot of a take. But then he gets to come to Ottawa early and be there for training camp. But if they win, then you get more experience, more games, more leadership opportunities for Timmy. And hey, we get to watch more Timmy Stutzler. Nothing wrong with that for me. So either way, it's a win-win. I'm just so proud of this German team. Like, it's, it's incredible. Like, probably it's going to be a tough game against Russia. But I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, at least for the first two periods, they make a real close game out of it.
1: If you're having a subscription to The Athletic, I would implore you to go read Scott Wheeler's latest. He's seen every second of every game in Edmonton. He's been in the arena, and his first standout was Tim Stutzla and just a glowing review. So Tim Stutzla playing left wing at World Juniors. DJ Smith reiterating something we already knew that he's starting the NHL there. We're going to get to more of DJ Smith's comments. We also have our battles in training camp we want to get to because... They've been filled a lot over the last few days with the acquisitions of NHL bodies that have been made by Pierre Dorian, but there are still some battles. But before we get to all that and our organizational value rankings, let's finish up with the schedule in the quarterfinals. Canada will then play the Czech Republic. That's the 7 p.m. start. And then the late one, it's the Slovaks, the pesky Slovaks taking on Sanderson and Clevin. Again, I thought this, the first game that Clevin played, he also laid a huge hit. I don't see how you can take him out of the lineup. Like he just brings an element that nobody else on that team seems to have whereas you do have many puck moving defensemen. So we'll catch up on that tomorrow. We obviously do have a Saturday episode since Central Citizen coming up as well, but Pillsy, of these DJ Smith comments right now that are coming over on social media where you can follow us as well at Send Central. The one that stood out for me, we knew that he wants Eric Branstrom at left defense. We know that Tim Stutz is playing the left side up front, but Artem Anisimov, apparently one of the best-looking players at camp. This is a guy who's had a skilled career, but what we saw last year, he's getting older, right? He's not the fleetest of foot, and a lot of people see him as blocking a spot for these guys who are battling like Josh Norris and Logan Brown. So what do you think it means that DJ Smith is lauding, saying that Artem Anisimov is one of the best players on the ice? I don't really know,
0: to be honest. It seems like uh, the rest of the team should be put on the hot seat here if your aging fourth-line veteran is one of your top players in camp. But, I mean, look, let's not uh, get too down on Nisimov. Like, he, considering the position he was in last year, he had a decent season with 15 goals. So it's not like this guy is just dead weight at the end of the day. Sure, he's lower in your lineup and he's an older centerman but he can still be made useful and it's funny that dj smith uh highlighted anisimov because i even have cedric paquette ahead of the depth chart in anisimov like anisimov is a taxi squad guy for me so but that's on the outside looking in the coach is going to go with the hot hands he's going to go with the guys that are lighting it up he doesn't care what their name age or contract is at the end of the day
1: do you think that Isimov is a guy who could play the wing as well? I don't see why not. He seems like a smart player, a veteran presence. Is that somewhere you could see? Because to me, that third line left wing spot, assuming that Stutzla is going to play with one of your top two centers with Brady. So those are your kind of your top two lines. And then at your third line left wing spot, like Galchenyuk, maybe. But I mean, it's not like you really impressed last year in Arizona. You heard Craig Morgan on this show say that. I don't think he should be guaranteed anywhere. So if you are trying to fit Artem Anisimov in, does it make sense to do it on the wing?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an option, and that's that's some value that Anisimov has, right? Uh, there's a couple guys on this team that can play center or the wing. Personally, for me, I, I really want to give Galchenik a shot. Like, I know, like, the track record isn't there, and the last three, four teams even he's been on have not been well, but could say the same thing about Duclair and it ended up working here I really think DJ Smith is a guy that can work these reclamation projects and get them back to at least a decent um, goal scoring pace here I think if anything we're going to see Anisimov take out uh, one of the fourth line wingers either Paul or Watson for a couple games if that's the scenario happening there
1: okay well let's move on to another one we put out on Twitter as well asking like training camp battles what do you think and we gave a few options. Of course, Logan Brown versus Josh Norris. That's the one in, in front. Then Branstrom versus Willan and then balser Schloppic. But I really liked one of the replies. I think it was the log Father writing in, Colin White, like is this guy a centerman or a winger? And you look at the right wing side where it's already Dadnov and Connor Brown, you'd imagine your top two. And then Drake Batherson, where does he fit in? He looks like a man out there. It's no longer batherson the kid right he's ready to take that next step so for me i leave him at center and hope that that last year was a bit of a one-off because you knew there was going to be a regression after his time with mark stone but me fell off a cliff you can't account for the amount i think he had what 20 points pelsey it was uh, really not anything to be excited about and now you add Evgeny Dadanov and maybe a line of, of Kachuk, White, Dadanov I know we like Stutzla with Dadanov but you need somebody to help Colin White offensively. We know that the 200-foot game is there. Is that why you think he could stick at center? Is that, that really defensive aspect of his game?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Ross. I'd, I'd like to see the Sens give him another shot at center. and. Call last year a sophomore slump. Like I know he played like 20 games and then three or two games with the Senators in previous seasons, but full seasons, that was his second full season. And yeah, when Mark Stone leaves, things get tough. And I think it's just about changing the idea of Colin White. Like I don't think he's going to be as offensive as we would hope. I think he's going to shift to more a two-way grinding kind of centerman. That's going to be defensively minded focus. I want to give him one more shot at the center position. And then if that doesn't work, then you start considering moving him to the wing in the future here.
1: Well, Pillsy, we're going to be waiting about a week per DJ Smith until we find out some line combinations. That's when he's going to split the camp into an AHL style group. Of course, we know it's a postponement until February, but end your NHL group. And the reason for that, Derek Stepan has to arrive. Cedric Paquette has to get here. Same can be said for Braden Coburn. And most importantly, Tim Stutzla so once that all shakes out we'll see where Colin White goes in this lineup we'll also see some other camp battles take place now DJ Smith also said something today and another point is that he's got the scrimmage coming up Saturday so we'll read in to the line combos for that whether he wants us to or not but Drake Bathurston is interesting for me and Logan Brown is interesting for me which one of those two do you think has the better chance to crack a top nine role on this team it's Drake Batherson for me,
0: for sure. Like, he's he's broke through the AHL, that's for sure. I mean, you could say the same about uh, Logan Brown, but I think Drake Batherson has the edge here because that centre position is, is crammed full now. Like, you've essentially got five centermen that uh, you could swap in and out of the lineup for the Ottawa Senators now with Tierney, Stepan, White, Anisimov of Paquette, right? So it's going to be hard for Logan Brown to get a spot there. Whereas Batherson on that right side, I've pretty much got him written in pen uh, on the third line there with who whoever is on his wing and in the center position, you can mix around. I would say maybe you're going to see Galchenyuk, Tierney, and Batherson, or you get Colin White on that line as well. So I think Batherson, just because of position-wise and the fact that he's got more NHL experience, he's he's done uh, much better in the AHL than Logan Brown did. I think he's got the edge here for sure. And Drake Batherson's two-way game is really incredible. Like I don't think he's a liability at any point in anywhere on the ice at this point.
1: The only thing is, in the first two years in the NHL career, you could tell that he was just he was just getting his feet under him. Like I don't want to say Bambi-like because he did he's physical and, and he was engaging he's even been in an NHL fight already but I just mean with the confidence and at the AHL level he was just doing everything knowing that it was going to be a successful attempt whether it was a pass a defensive stick lift like really does play a Mark Styles type game as he mentioned in his uh well his interview with us and also on his scouting combine sheet with NHL are he thought he would most play like. So when you have those attributes, you just need to be confident in them and not worry that one mistake is either going to staple you to the bench or result in you not being able to do it next time. Just that confidence that Drake needs is going to be in what DJ Smith utilizes his role. And I'm confident because he got power play two time. He's been in the organization a long time. He's passed over in the draft. So this is a 23 year old. And that's why I said Drake or Logan, because for me, With guys like Abramov and Norris, because they have no waiver requirements, they can be on the taxi squad. And if you want to get them in the lineup, just call them up that morning. Like It's that simple. The games are going to come fast and furious. These are the guys who you you can have a week of practice with. Let's remember, Josh Norris was one and done at Michigan. Those college-style schedules would be a week of, of training, and then you play Friday, Saturday. So I would be shocked if Josh Norris doesn't get into at least 15 games this year. And that's okay until the AHL starts. Then uh, then you let him be a top line player down there. But for this first kind of strange month where you're in a, a bit of a, a situation nobody's ever been in before, where what is a taxi squad in the national hockey league? You have it in the playoffs, but you're not going to put in a 21 year old and play him more than two minutes. Right. Remember Colin white getting into that game against Pittsburgh in 2017, but there's just so many options for DJ Smith and, I can't wait till Saturday, Pilsy, because this is going to be a really interesting test to see who is paired with the veterans, right? That's going to be it. Who are, who's playing with Brady Kachuk? That's something that'll be of note. We know that Gabranson's going to play with Shabbat, but who's on the second pair? Like, As much as it sucks to say Nikita Zaitsev is probably your second right defenseman, his contract basically dictates that. Is it going to be Willan in there? Is it going to be Brantstrom? Mike Riley's more of a guy. We talked about him just yesterday. You can listen to our organizational rankings, what we expect from him. He's not going to eat 20 minutes. That's what Will Landon or Brantstrom should be expected to do. Which one of those two guys would you lean to to start the season?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question for sure. And I think the really weird thing here is how much time there is in between the NHL and the AHL starting. Like, I think there's going to be like, that's going to be like a section of the season. Like the NHL has already started and the AHL hasn't started yet. So you're going to get certain guys up there getting a chance. I think that's when you give a guy like Brantstrom the chance to get up there. He's not going to be needed in the AHL. Give him a chance to show you what he's got. He's waiver exempt. So you start the season with him in the NHL. And then if he's not ready, then you can send him back to the AHL once it starts. So at least for that time period, give Brantstrom the chance. Then after that, if you didn't like what you see from Branson, then you can give pass that torch on to Willanen Because I think Willanen pretty much in my eyes, has graduated to the NHL. We're not going to see him in the AHL anymore. And he's a guy that if you put him with a solid guy on the right side, I think he can do well. I actually would like to see him play with a Josh Brown type guy. I think Nikita Zaitsev is on the bottom, cemented in the bottom pair for me. I don't want to see him playing top four minutes. I, I even have him and Zub swapping out with uh, Taxi Squad on the bottom pair there. like Just because he has a big contract, I don't think is going to warrant him getting top four minutes with DJ Smith when he has all this talent and all these players available for him to switch in and out of the lineup.
1: This is what DJ Smith, when he was asked about Branstrom today, he said, quote, he's going to be a better left side defenseman. I think that he's been able to make more plays on that side. It's an unfortunate year with a possibly shortened AHL season. Whatever happens, a lot of young kids aren't going to get the minutes they would have had. Whether you're playing the American League or NHL, you're always playing. He's going to be a very good player when his chance comes. If it's right away or the middle of the year or whatever it is, he's going to be a very good NHL player. To me, that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to make the team out of camp unless he comes in and knocks the door down. He DJ always says most competitive players will play, but to me, that's a guy who could start the year on the outside looking in and 21 years old, two years in North America. It won't be the end of the world for him, although you do want that new shiny toy in the roster. We do know, DJ said, there will be more rookies on Ottawa than in any other Canadian market, but that, again, is no surprise. Hopefully, the surprise is coming. We see what kids will get those early chances because as it stands now, Pilsy, the way the depth charts are organized when you sort it by contracts, they have enough vets that these kids are really going to have to win out jobs to get into the lineup.
0: Yeah, if you, if you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago, 2 weeks ago, one of the biggest camp battles we would be talking about would be Rudolf Balsers and Philip Schlappick, right, on that left wing side on the third line like we had talked about that for months leading up to the season. That's now pretty much irrelevant. Like with the signing of Tim Stutzla, the confirmation that he's going to play on the left wing, Galchenyuk coming in, that left side is pretty much all Tied up here and if we're looking at which of the two of ballsters and schlapik is probably going to get more nhl playing time pains me to say it ross but i think schlapik's gonna end up getting that more playing time because his game is better suited for a fourth line role and i could see him edging out nick paul from time to time or if you want to swap him out uh, near the end of a series, if you got a four-game series against one team and you want to mix in a fresh body, then you get Schlappik there instead of Paul. Where I don't see a situation where you knock either uh, Kachuk, Stutzla, or Galchenyuk out of the lineup to get Balsers in there. So that's tough. And and we heard it from from a source that uh, we, we won't we won't give up. But it seems like the Ottawa Senators franchise is really falling out of favor with Rudolph Balsers. Like they're not. They don't seem to be that stoked on him and it sucks, but this could be a guy that we see as a part of a trade deal come trade deadline to sweeten the package.
1: Well, he's now wearing number 92. So who knows? Maybe the Sens organization won't remember those days wearing number 38. Either way, Rudy Ballsters will be a training camp or is on the ice there. Vitaly Bramov, like they have so many young kids who should get a shot and Josh Norris, like I have to scroll so far down for him and Formington to even get to them on the depth chart, but they should be big pieces going forward. So we'll keep track of how this all plays out. We will get to everyone as well in our Sense Central Organizational Value Rankings, which we'll get to now. And that's where we get to our Organizational Value Rankings. And we're coming in at number 40 today with Mark Kastelik, a guy who's just turned pro. Played an overage season with the Calgary Hitmen. He is a goal scorer at the uh, WHL level. He gets penalties. He's a captain. He's 6'5". Big, big body. What do you think he'll bring to the Belleville lineup right away?
0: I expect him to be a difference maker in Belleville right away. Like, I like him in a third line role. We talked about it uh, when we did Parker Kelly's uh, player profile in the organizational rankings. And him and Parker Kelly would be a great match. Like, those two would be a real issue on the ice, especially with Parker Kelly gaining some size. He's now listed at six feet. He was initially 5'10 or 5'11, somewhere around there. So, a little bit extra size on him. And then Mark Kasalik at six foot three, over 200 pounds. Like he is just massive. He's not going to have a problem at all at the AHL level. And he was a captain of the Calgary hitmen for two seasons. So you get a little bit of leadership and I watched some of his highlights and he's got so many tools in his toolbox. Like, Good hand-eye coordination. He's tipping pucks in front of the net all day long. He's a physical guy that can lay out hits, not just along the boards, but open ice hits too. So talk about the K train. How about the Castle K train? That could be a thing going forward in Belleville here. And I noticed on -on two-on-one one-timers, he's burying those more often than not. So this is a guy that's going to play physical, but also give him the opportunity to score goals, and he's going to do that.
1: Well, with over 75 goals in his last two WHL seasons, it's not hard to find highlights of him lighting the lamp. So hopefully he can do that at the NHL, but to say something nice about him, he's a guy who even if he doesn't bring that offense, his physicality and penalty killing ability could make him just a useful fourth line NHLer. And that's saying something nice. as You might think it's backhanded saying he's a fourth liner, but as a fifth round pick, Pilsy, I think that that would be just fine if he could have the career of, say, a Zach Smith.
0: Yeah, I think he would be fine with that for sure. And I think Troy Mann's going to love this guy. Like we had Tony Ferrari on a couple weeks ago. Tony Ferrari is a big fan of uh, Castlek as well. So this is a guy that I think a lot of Sens fans, like He, you would think he's a lower uh, known, lesser known guy. But I think a lot of Sens fans are actually really excited to see him. And I'm excited to see him uh, light it up in Belleville this season.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see when he gets there. His peer group would be guys like Josh Norris and Logan Brown. But I think Mark Kaslich is in a position in his career where he's content to even be a third line forward. Maybe, you know what? I would say a guy in his peer group is the guy who comes in at number 39. As we move on to JC Baudin, who had more than a cup of coffee in the NHL. He was living the show lifestyle 20 plus games. And that was a surprise in itself. But here's a guy who was almost in and out of the lineup two years ago in Belleville. And then he just came in. He's like a number one penalty killer. He wins faceoffs. He's really good in, in getting pucks to the right areas on the ice. And to think they gave up Max McCormick to acquire a guy like this. I think that in itself is a pretty big win.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a big win. And uh, yeah, we we've liked what we've seen from JC Bowden in small flashes, but Last year was a weird year for JC. He was injured and then he was one of those guys that was constantly being recalled and he never really got consistent playing time. Like he was recalled five different times. Like when you're up and down and going uh, from team to team and city to city, you're not going to get into a groove. So I think that's where he struggled because like you mentioned, he played 22 games in Ottawa, but only with the one assist. And then when he was in Belleville, I actually thought he was pretty impressive. Only 13 games, but four goals, two assists. And like you said, he was killing penalties. He was winning face offs. He was noticeable out there on the ice. So this year, I would like for him to carve a role for himself in Belleville. But we already talked about it. Like all the NHL spots are taken up. Like I think, again, if you would have talked to us, a couple months ago where J.C. Baudin's going to be. You you figure that a bunch of uh, AHL guys are graduating to the NHL with open spots there, and that, in uh, consequence, opens up spots in Belleville. But that's not going to be the case. Like Bramov, Balser, Schlappek, Logan Brown, Josh Norris, those guys could all be right back down in Belleville this season, and that bumps J.C. down. So it's going to be really interesting to see how things shake up here to see where J.C. Baudin ends up.
1: Well, hopefully, Pilsy, gets a middle six role in Belleville. That's where he's best suited to play in the event of emergency. You can break the glass and bring him up to the NHL, but he signed that one-year two-way contract in the summer as an RFA, so that's where he expects to play this season. And the reason why he might be that low in the lineup is because the Sens added veterans, and one of those vets is coming in right now at number 38. It's Austin Watson. This guy's been to a Stanley Cup finals before with Nashville in 2016. He's always top 20 in hits. He's a complete animal on the four check. It's Austin Watson. Maybe not the most touch around the net, but how would you summarize what you've seen from him, Only last, not only last year, but over his career?
0: Yeah, yeah Austin Watson, uh, I, I think it's very clear his role. He's a grinding fourth line kind of guy. The Sens traded a fourth round pick for him. Last year in 53 games with the Preds, he had 14 points. There was a lot of things going on off the ice in his personal life, and he worked through those. I think anytime you kind of battle those things, you end up coming out a better person on the other side. A similar scenario. Not the exact same, but similar to Bobby Ryan, right? Uh, Where after he kind of worked through all that, he felt uh, he was ready for a bounce-back season. And I bet he's going to have a bounce-back season in Detroit, Bobby Ryan. But Austin Watson... He's 28 years old. He had 10 fights last season, according to hockey fights. I watched a bunch of them. I think he didn't necessarily win a lot of them, but some of them were kind of he wasn't prepared. He got jumped a little. There was a wrestling match. So I'm confident in him as a fighter. And I think, yeah, he's going to be on this fourth line for the next probably three years of his one point five million per year contract.
1: And nice of Pierre Dorian to go out and get Cedric Paquette so they can pull off some Bash Brothers situations on that fourth line, which is just going to run through on the forecheck. You'd expect them to use a two-man forecheck on that line as well with those two guys flying out there, especially Nick Paul too, another big body who as he gets older and more mature is fi- finding out that he's not necessarily going to be a skilled guy at this next level. So all three of them together, I love the Watson pickup just for that reason. If there's a time in the game, there's a little lull, especially in this schedule, there are going to be games where your your body might not be feeling. He's a guy who's going to bring that energy every single night. And if you're not picked up on the bench, he's going to make sure you are. He's got that leadership and yeah, I mean, what a great story. Maybe like I mean, there's parts of it that aren't great, but the ending so far is amazing. The Brian McGrattan tribute wearing number 16. That is going to be a nice storyline throughout the season. So I'm cheering for Austin Watson. I know there was a ton of backlash when when that signing happened, but with fair expectations of being a fourth-line guy, maybe contribute five or six goals. This guy was a first-round pick, let's remember, albeit 10 years ago. Him and Erica Branson, first-rounders of the, the same draft, funny enough, both new acquisitions. But, hey, he had that offensive ability. He's maintained that he's a grinder at the NHL. But don't be surprised if this guy maybe even tickles 10 goals this year, Pilsy.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I watched uh, his highlights from last season too. all his goals, all six of them. Um, So that wasn't a long uh, research project there, but most of his goals, four of the six of them were scored on deflections in front of the net where he's battling a defender. Like there's cross checks, they're hooking each other, they're getting tied up and he is battling. So not only is he causing a distraction in front of the goalie, he's tying up a defender, he's screening the goalie and He's able to get his stick on those kind of seeing, well, not seeing eye wrist shots if it gets tipped, but those low kind of wrist shots where they're not going that fast, but they're very tippable. And once you knock that, the goalie doesn't have a chance to stop it. So I think he's a guy that's going to get some garbage goals. And Austin Watson is going to be seeing a lot of Corey Perry this year. I can tell you that. And that's a matchup I'm going to be very interested in.
1: Nice. Yeah, it really will be fun. All these hated Canadian teams already have all added hated players like Wayne Simmons in Toronto too a guy who plays the right way, but always has that edge to him. So I'm excited to see them battle it out. And funny fact about uh, Austin Watson: most of his career success, not most, but he had always had success against Ottawa five points in nine games and was a plus five in those contests. I want to say he had a two goal performance in one of those games too. So a guy who maybe we're touting too much of his offense, but he's not brick hands. He's not Brian McGratton, to say, to say it kindly. He does have a little bit of, of extra to his game than just being a Michael Haley type. So expect a strong forecheck from Austin Watson. And to say something nice, a guy who's going to always stand up for his teammates
0: and another say something nice there's just something about those hockey guys that are you know are fourth line guys and the toothless smile like when you see those guys score and the toothless smile and everybody on the bench is fired up for his second goal in 60 games or something like that those are guys those are character guys and I'm sure uh, he's going to get a lot of love around the room
1: yeah, he certainly will. He's already getting love on social media too from uh, that first picture of him with a big old smile getting set for the ice. And that ice means training camp is underway. And we're your number one home for Ottawa and Belleville Senators content, podcasts, anywhere you download yours. It's the Locked On Senators podcast. You can follow us as well at Send Central on Twitter. Lots of great stuff planned for next week, but tomorrow another day of training camp we have our sense central citizen and we might even get into some hot takes heading in to the season but for today we say goodbye for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day